What's your favorite scary movie? Another Halloween special arrives to talk about lessons we learn from horror movies. Let's explore some of the most popular Halloween horror movies out there and lessons that can help with addiction and recovery. This episode breaks down 10 movies and 5 lessons we can learn from each. Hello listeners to Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. I am the host Andrew J. Schreier and we are here to talk about areas related to addiction and recovery. Information you learn here is not typical of what you won't find in like academic textbooks and resources and comes from my experiences as a clinical supervisor, clinical substance abuse counselor, and licensed professional counselor and all the work I do with individuals and others involved in this field. Listen as we talk about a wide range of issues that educate individuals, families, communities, organizations, mental health professionals, educators, and really anyone else impacted by addiction and recovery. Well, it's that time of the year again for ghosts and goblins and pumpkins and pumpkin pie and haunted houses and horror stories. So last year's Halloween special is Addiction the Boogeyman was pretty popular and I wanted to continue with the tradition of doing a Halloween special episode every year. And this year, I decided to do something a little simple yet informative. And I know around this time of the year, if you are like myself, enjoy watching Halloween and horror movies. I know I've already watched quite a few myself. So I thought a great idea would be to just talk about 10 of some of my favorite Halloween or horror movies and talk about lessons that we can learn from each of them and lessons being like what can we learn from this to help with addiction and recovery so the format is going to be pretty simple i'm going to identify the movie and give like a one or two sentence synopsis and then talk about five lessons we can learn and dive into a little bit for some of them and give some examples from the films themselves and This is something that can help any of us who are involved in addiction and recovery and all the issues we discuss in this podcast. So I'm going to go go over 10 movies and give five pretty bullet point brief lessons that we can learn. So that means by the end, we're going to have a grand total of 50 lessons. So pretty great, right? And... The movie synopsis, it's all going to come from IMDb, the the famous movie database, so that we have the same source and not being pulled from different things, and I wasn't going to read the back of every single uh, movie DVD to read everything, so just a little brief synopsis of it, and then we'll talk about what we learn. So let's talk about horror movies and and lessons that we can learn from them. And there's 10. There is no particular reason why they are identified in a way that they are. These are not the only enjoyable Halloween or horror movies, but these are ones that as I've watched over the years that I've watched recently where I thought it would be worth mentioning some of the lessons that we can learn from it. So the first one, number one, is Ghostbusters and the synopsis we have is three former parapsychology professors set up a shop as a unique ghost removal service classic movie 
and starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, and Rick Moranis. And we want to get to the five lessons. Number one, laughter is a strength. And that's one of the things that Ghostbusters being a horror Halloween but also a comedy shows us that we need laughter. And laughter can be good. Humor can be a good thing for us. It can be therapeutic. It it can help us when we're going through some difficult things. Ghostbusters reminds us that laughter is a strength. Number two is stronger together as a team. There's the scene at the end where they are crossing beams and in the beginning they're talking about how you can't do that but they were facing an enemy so powerful that in the end they needed to do that and doing it alone wasn't going to work and how many times have we talked about the need for support that you can't do it on your own that you need help from others and Ghostbusters shows that as a team you are stronger together number three you want to look at proving your doubters wrong I always tell people that when they are being you know questioned or they're they're talked about how they're not going to make it or they're not going to be successful from others and part of them wants to prove people wrong that's there's nothing wrong with doing that as long as you're careful with it where if you you do prove them wrong and it doesn't change how they are towards you that you don't then take that personal and have that be a downfall but for a while in the movie they are being They're being doubted, and they continue to do what they do. They continue to talk about what they're doing, and then all of a sudden, headlines get, you know, grab the attention. Their name gets listed out. They're doing that commercial. So they, they start to prove their doubters wrong and give themselves some credibility for what they're doing. The fourth thing, learning point, is you also need to win them over. And that's what they're trying to do a lot of the time is trying to let the city know that, that what they're doing is needed and is important. And you, you've got to do that a lot when you are working with communities, when you're working with organizations, you're trying to, to gain funding, you're trying to open a new program, is you do have to try and win people over to get the support that you need. Now, the fifth and final point for Ghostbusters is be smart, not strong. You know, this wasn't a movie full of superheroes or big, strong guys. I love the fact that it focused on scientists, um, you know, the quote unquote nerdy type, where they were the ones that by using their intelligence is what made them successful. So it wasn't about them having brute strength or being the tough guy. It was more about using their intelligence and their smarts to make better decisions, to come up with solutions, with answers, and to ultimately solve the problems. So that's five things about Ghostbusters we can learn from. Movie number two, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, Ichabod Crane is sent to Sleepy Hollow to investigate the decapitations of three people, with the culprit being the legendary the Headless Horseman, uh, starring Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci. One of the first things that stands out about what we can learn is when Ichabod Crane is using all of this science and, and instruments, there's a lot of doubt and, and casting in, like, what is he doing? And, you know, all of this, you know, 
sort of hocus pocus. And, you know, how often do we see that when we are trying to do some work and help people? We're introducing new theories, new methods, new treatment modalities, even old treatment modalities. And there is some skepticism about what it is working with medicaid assisted treatment i see it all the time when you even hear things talked about with like brain spotting you hear some people who cast criticism and self-doubt about it and how do you deal with that when you are trying to help others with these new methods number two is self-doubt i love in the film johnny depp's portrayal where he seems like he is uncertain about what he's doing and he kind of makes it up as he goes along and there's parts of it where he seems like he is doubtful of himself and what he's doing and we we all experience that whether we are in recovery whether we are professionals helping other people out like there is some of that self-doubt about can I do this can I achieve this and I like how that didn't stop him from continuing to try and to use his methods and continue to work the case. The other thing that number three about Sleepy Hollow is that there is a lot of uncertainty of what's happening. And with everything that was going on, there was, you know, the the decapitations that were happening. And there was a lot of uncertainty surrounding it. And that's what we've experienced a lot over the the years with the pandemic is things changing things not knowing when it's going to go back not knowing you know the the answers to things so in the movie you can sort of tell there was this like eeriness of uncertainty of what was going to happen next people were sort of on edge um you know every night was just kind of wondering what was going to happen and you know how do we deal with that stuff how do we go forward with that which left which goes into the fourth point which is unknowns you know like not knowing what's happening and that movie showed that too because for quite a while there was just not a lot of knowledge about what was happening what was going on it's you know one of the reasons why they brought him in Ichabod Crane so when we don't know you know what sources do we go to um, in the movie, there's the scene where he's talking to the gentleman and some of them talk about using the Bible as your reference. He's kind of looking at more of science. But, you know, when we are un- when we don't know certain things, what are our resources to go to? Do we think we know it all? Are we willing to bring someone else in and say, hey, you're the professional or we, we need your help because we don't know? And the fifth and final point with Sleepy Hollow is moving past history because there's a big part of it where the story is based on the history of the Headless Horseman. And for a long time, it seems like the town was never really addressing it and looking at it and moving past it. And we have to uncover that, which is what about crane does to look at what's going on and to finally solve what to do about that and we know that's big and what we do with addiction recovery mental health is there is a lot of historical pieces that sometimes we try and move 
passed from. Sometimes we do that in a way of numbing and escaping and avoiding, but this shows how we have to really address it. We have to face it. We have to acknowledge what it is doing, what it has done, and then how can we overcome it, not just run away from it. Running away from it hasn't worked. So the third movie is Halloween, one of the most classics, where 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental health hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois, to kill again, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Moran, Donald Pleasance. So one of the things we want to learn from is portrayal mental health. And this is a really important one. When I've talked about mental health and stigmas is media and film have often misrepresented the dangers of mental health. And yes, there are some mental health where there is some danger and and concerns, but overall it shows that people with mental health are more likely to be victims of violence. This shows us often with horror movies where someone escapes from a mental hospital and starts killing people, that people with mental health are dangerous. And we want to make sure that's not what is captured with mental health alone. The second thing is, I think Halloween just shows that, like, bad things happen. And when we look at that with what we deal with, that happens a lot with substance use and mental health, where there are some bad things that happen and and that they're going to happen. Overdoses is an example of that where that will happen. And then there's a lot of people, I work with plenty of them who are doing everything they can to stop that from happening. But when there is drugs involved, you know, when there is mental health involved, like some bad things might happen. The third thing that we want to look at in Halloween is that holding on to hope that someone can change. And you'll notice like throughout the series of Halloween, there's always someone who tries to hold on to hope that Michael can change. You know, whether that's Jamie Lee Curtis earlier on, who then starts to realize that. And even Dr. Loomis thinking that he could help him, that there's always some character that is that we are hoping that someone can change. And that happens a lot with family members, loved ones, significant others, where hoping that someone who is struggling with alcohol and drug use, that that can change, that they can get help, that they can get sober. Fourth thing we want to look at is accept people for who they are. And that's really big in Michael Myers is ultimately like this is how he is, no matter what caused it, what its origins are, but he is who he is. And that's where you start to see Jamie Lee Curtis's character change with more of like, this is how he's going to be. This is what's how, how he's going to act. And Michael Myers, what's he going to do? He's going to kill and accepting that that's how he is as opposed to who we might want him to be. And that happens a lot. And that's one of the things I talk with most about when I'm working with people with when they're having some conflicts or issues that that is about another person 
is looking at are you accepting them for who they are as opposed to who you want them to be. And Halloween teaches us that we need to accept people for who they are. And the fifth and final point for Halloween is that there are people willing to help. And I, Dr. Loomis is one of my um, favorite characters among some of the Halloween horror movies, um, obviously because of what I do as a profession. But, you know, despite how, you know, quote unquote bad Michael was or how evil he seemed that there was someone still trying to help him. And there's always people still willing to help, still willing to give chances. If you're someone that thinks that no one's going to help you or no one wants you to, or you've burned all your bridges, you may have burned a bunch, but I've always found that there are always still people out there willing to help, even in a case such as this with um, a character like Michael Myers. All right, movie number four is It. And we're talking the 2017 release. And synopsis was that in that is in the summer of 1989, a group of bullied kids band together to destroy a shape-shifting monster, which disguises itself as a clown and preys on the children of Derry, their small main town. Starring uh, Bill Skarsgård, uh, Jaden Martell, Finn Wolfhard, and Sophia Lillis. So one of the things that stands out right away is evil is in the dark. And that's where Pennywise, when you see him first in the sewer, and it's just pitch black and he comes in there. And that's where a lot of things that aren't good for us are. You know, I say secrets um, are kept in the dark and, and we're only as sick as our secrets. Um, if you don't want to share something with someone and you're afraid to share something or don't want to share something, it's probably not good. And that is because you're keeping it in the dark. Um, hiding things are things that probably aren't good for us. So we all know that something like addiction and the symptoms of mental health can worsen when they are kept in the dark, which also leads to the second point which is silence is deadly as well there was this whole point of it's like the town knew what was going on but they didn't want to talk about it so not talking about something keeping thing something quiet is not good you know something needs to be addressed and talk and we see it all the time like some people don't want to talk about that there's drug use running rapid in their community or that um, people in their community are overdosing or that they need a, a treatment program there that it's, you know, crickets. No one wants to say anything, but it's like we know something's going on. And this movie shows that the small town of Derry was like something's been happening, something's been going on, but no one is talking about it. And it left the issue go on and on and on until a group of kids were willing to talk about it. Another one that we learn about in it is uh, terrors from fantasy and sometimes how our minds can be um, the source of our terror and we can create our own worst fears, scenarios, worst case scenarios. We create um, 
things that are the worst for us. And I know I struggle with this at times when um, I've had claustrophobia and I remember having to get an MRI done and part of my mind kept imagining that I was in even smaller places. I was thinking of like being like trapped in a closet. I was thinking I was like zipped up in a um, sleeping bag. In my mind, I was nailed shut in a coffin. These were the things that was going in my mind that was causing more terror as I was thinking about going into this machine. So the point is that stuff wasn't happening, but in my ability to, you know, imagination and, and fantasy, you can create that into terrors that can leave us really paralyzed. And it shows that a few times throughout the film. And the fourth one point is leading into that is facing your fears. Is that's really important. There's a lot of fears that we have with addiction, with recovery, with mental health with other issues that there are a lot of fears that we have. And instead of looking at not having any fears, we have to look at how do we face those fears. And the film portrays how those individuals as well as a group is able to face those fears. And the fifth point is the unlikely heroes. You know, this was a group of kids who no one seemed to like, were bullied, were picked on, were abused, um, treated unfairly, abused even from parents in the story. And then there is this unlikely group of heroes, you know, called the Losers Club that is able to face it and and overcome it. And it's the unlikely heroes, a group that you wouldn't think would be the ones to do it. So how many of us, you know, feel like we're not that special, we're not that person, and this movie shows that it's the unlikely heroes that can still overcome and beat the bad guy in, in which they do. The fifth movie is A Nightmare on Elm Street, and the synopsis behind this one is the monstrous spirit of a slain child murderer seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. And this is starring Heather Langenkamp, Johnny Depp, Robert England. And one of the things we want to look at is the importance and impact of sleep. And I always think sleep is not talked about enough, like sleep hygiene and what happens when you don't get enough sleep. So I really like how A Nightmare on Elm Street, looking at how it happens by invading dreams and you know like night terrors is looking at we, we need to take care of sleep we need to focus on sleep take care of our sleep the second thing is bullying and it was interesting because Wes Craven you know really looked at um part of his character of Freddy Krueger was based off of a bullying experience that he had and, you know, bullying has been talked about a lot over the last couple of years. It still needs to be addressed and talked about. And one of the things that we can learn about is the, the effects of bullying, the impact of bullying. The third one 
is sins of the the parents, which I thought was a really great point of this. And even uh, a quote from Wes Craven on this one is, the notion of the screenplay is that the sins of the parents are visited upon the children. So looking at, you know, how looking at how our parents were to us is if we're parents, how, how we are towards our children and looking at how that generational impact can occur and looking at family history, looking at, you know, family systems perspective, which is really good. And that leads us to the fourth one, which are, you know, adults are, are damaged. You know, this film shows that as adults, um, you know, they're not around, they're on pills, the, um, alcoholic, um, or problems with alcohol that, you know, kids that are hurt or kids that are, are damaged, quote unquote, of what happened to them, you know, you're going to grow up as a hurt kid into a hurt adult. And then that leads to the fifth one, which we're finally able to see at the end, which is breaking that generational curse where the character is able to defeat Freddy Krueger and sort of break that chain of repetitive generational curse, that repetitive sins of the parents and, and, and being damaged. So I highly recommend looking more into the history behind A Nightmare on Elm Street where Wes Craven really got some of his um, inspiration and creativity for the writing behind it. Shared a lot about these important themes that we can learn from and really benefit in those areas. The sixth one is The Shining, another classic favorite where a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrifying uh, forebodings from both past and future, starring the great Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Danny Lloyd, and Scatman Crothers. And the first thing we want to look at is the idea of this like bad, good, and sick better. And my uh, director always does an amazing job at saying this when when some people will look at I am good or am bad as he, he looks at telling people that they are, they're not bad people trying to be good. They are sick trying to get better. And we kind of see that in Jack Nicholson where he is like almost turning into this bad guy and we want to look at that he's he's sick and hopefully trying to help him to get better and that leads into the second point of isolation so the hotel is isolated the the family is isolated you know jack nicholson starts to get isolated and it just shows what happens when isolation kicks in what starts to happen to us when we are disconnected from others we are social beings and connection is very important but what happens when we become isolated what happens to substance use when you are isolating what happens to mental health when you are isolating what happens to relationships when you are isolating the third lesson is denial and it, it kind of shows 
in The Shining how sick denial can be because you've got people, his family mostly trying to tell him about like how he's looking and how he seems. His wife is trying to look at that, but he doesn't see it. He's not able to recognize that. And how often is denial a thing about with substance use and and mental health and even some other issues or our behaviors where other people are trying to tell us something or point something out and we don't see it. Um, Sometimes we refuse to see it, but sometimes we don't. It's the symptoms of the issue are, are very powerful and we don't recognize sometimes where our own faults are and where things are getting really tough or really bad. And when we don't see it, it can get worse, which leads into the fourth point, which is hurting others close to us. And this movie shows that where he then starts to go after his family. And we see that a lot, you know, with, with, Substance use is who gets hurt a lot. Family members, loved ones, significant others, people close to you. You steal from those people. You lie to those people. Um, they're, they're the ones that sometimes get hurt the most by substance use and and other issues. The other thing I want to focus on is the fifth lesson is writing. And... Big fan of writing. I think writing and journaling and, you know, certain exercises and assignments that can be used for writing can be very beneficial. And The Shining made a point to focus on that. That's something that he was thinking was going to be really helpful. And I don't think writing is the, the answer to everything, but writing is a tool that can help to see some of those things. And after a while, we can see what his writing was showing was that there was something really bad going on here, something very sick. And looking at how writing helped to finally show and display some of what was really going on. The seventh movie is one of my family favorites. We're going to have two family favorite ones back to back. The first one is The Adams Family and the synopsis is con artist plan to fleece an eccentric family using an accomplice who claims to be their long lost uncle. Starring Angelica Huston, Raul Julia, Christopher Lloyd, Dan Hedia, and Christina Ricci. And we want to look at the, the classic Adam's family. Number one is that we're a part of a family. We we come from a family. We're a part of a family. And we need to understand and look at how important that is. You know, rules we grew up with, um, family secrets, uh, relationships within the family. Exploring family history is really important. Um, Man, it'd be fun to do a genogram (laughs) on the Adams family. The second thing is the the part about the Adams family is that it shows how what we look at as strange can make us uncomfortable. 
And you see that where when they're around quote unquote normal people that because of how they are, they are uncomfortable with it. And sometimes being in that comfort zone or out of your comfort zone is how how do you view other people who don't seem to be like you? And I think that shows that really because this is such a family that is not like what would be the typical family in this this movie. And when they're around others, you can tell that what we look at as strange makes us uncomfortable. The other third thing, which is a part of the one of the promotional sayings for the movie was weird is relative. And I really like that because, you know, another way it's like when people look at, you know, what is normal and we don't want people to conform to this. This is who you have to be, who you, you've got to be like this. You got to dress this way, look this way. Now, yeah, there's appropriateness and, and your surroundings and all that type of stuff. But you know, we want people to be who they are. And when you look at, when you laugh at some of the scenes in Adam's family and what they do, and you're kind of like, that's crazy, that's weird. Um, to them, it's not. You know, all that's normal. They might look at us and what we do is is extremely weird. So, you know, it's all relative, the fourth part that I really like about Adam's family is that they were never really quiet about those things. They were they're very vocal and really very proud. You know, the the way that Gomez and Morticia would display their love, you know, how many people would benefit by seeing some of those things on displayed in front of, you know, seeing mom and dad hug, you know, or mom and dad um, kiss in a loving way. Seeing that affection being shown, um, not keeping things like that in secret. So it, it really was amazing to see how the Adams family, despite how they were deemed strange and weird, that they were vocal and proud of their values and who they are. And the fifth thing that we learn from the Adams family is that a family is a part of a community. And it, it really shows that when that family was kicked out of their home and then they were like more like in the community it shows that our communities are full of these families. And when there's a family in need, it's up to the community to help and not to criticize them or judge them or to um, ostracize them or to be happy that this happened the family is a part of the community, and when the, the family is struggling, the community needs to help because communities are, f are built on families. Eighth movie, 
one of my definite favorites, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And this is with Jack Skellington, king of Halloween Town, who discovers Christmas Town. But his attempts to bring Christmas to his home causes confusion. Starring Danny Elfman, Chris Sarandon, Catherine O'Hara, and Ken Page. And I did talk about this last year in last year's episode. Um, so I'm not going to get too much in detail. But I'm still going to talk about five lessons from it. Number one, open mind. Look at how Jack was able to have an open mind into an entirely different holiday. And that just shows where when you have a closed mind, what you are preventing yourself from discovering. Having a closed mind kept everything about Christmas Town, you know, unexplored. And you see that amazing scene when he um, gets there and it's the what's this and, and seeing everything is and that's what happened when you have a closed mind is you have closed doors. And you're trapped within what you know. And even though he didn't purposely do that, he was open to exploring Christmas Town when he eventually made his way there. The second thing that Nightmare Before Christmas teaches us is identity. And this was good because you saw Jack go through like an identity as he was the, the king of Halloween Town. And he just didn't seem happy. But that's what people wanted him to do. They expected it of him. It was Halloween. And then the very next day, the mayor's already talking about what's going to happen for next year. And you saw Jack go through that sort of identity crisis. And how many of us have gone through that too? And even multiple times. Where identity is a thing that we get confused about we're uncertain about our purpose our our goals where we're headed what we're doing in life what has meaning so many times that gets brought up in someone dealing with alcohol use mental health just being in therapy just growing up your next birthday <laughs> you know people look at that looking at my identity and who I am and, and what's my purpose, what am I doing. And Jack's, Jack's experience is, is shown in that in The Nightmare Before Christmas. The third thing, which I'm really glad to be able to talk about, is obviously Oogie Boogie and gambling. You know, the gambling references are pretty amazing, and I talk about them in the episode from last week. Halloween, but that people do experience problems with gambling. There's a lot of things with gambling that don't get talked about. It's seen as a normal social, cultural thing, but gambling can be very dangerous and gambling can lead to fatal consequences. So I like how the, the villain in this has that gambling as an aspect of his character and it's a good reminder that we can't forget how how difficult it can be for some people. Not for everyone, but for, for some. The fourth lesson is there's risks with change. And that's what I, I love Nightmare Before Christmas because it shows that. Like here's 
Jack and he wants to bring Christmas to Halloween Town and and kind of wants to, to, to merge them and not looking at the risks that come with that sort of change. You know, what are the risks to himself? What are the risks to the people of Halloween Town? What are the risks to the people of Christmas Town? But we always look at, especially with like recovery, and when people are like, oh yeah, I want to stop using, we always look at that as like, oh, that's great. Like, that's good. Like, let's, you know, go full steam ahead and let's encourage that as, as much as we can. I'm not saying we don't do that. Like, I'm not saying we need to stop doing that, but we need to look at that there are risks that come with change. And even things that we do that we think are going to have like this powerful positive impact that there's still some risks that could happen and Jack didn't really think of the risks that were happening with his decision and then we saw everything start to um just go haywire with the presents and and what's happening to to Christmas town and we start to see that the change that was brought is now we're starting to see the risks that are happening with it. But what I love about it is the fifth lesson that we can learn from with the Nightmare Before Christmas is accountability for mistakes. And that's what Jack does. Jack acknowledges what he did and his need to fix it, which isn't something that we always do in the addiction and recovery area. Um, but I believe accountability is really important, taking ownership for our mistakes. And Jack quickly does that, seeing that what he did was a mistake. And then what can he do to fix it and take accountability for it? The ninth movie is the Conjuring series, which is a series, but kind of looking at the different themes that kind of came into it. But the first movie um, was about the paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren work to help a family terrorized by a dark presence in their farmhouse. And that was starring Patrick Wilson, Vera Garmiga, Ron Livingston, and Lee Taylor. One thing I want to point out is that the first lesson is that this belief in darkness and evil is you know so strongly portrayed that the individuals who are experiencing it and the Ed and Lorraine characters who are trying to help like they they see it and it's shown so much like the cinematography of how evil is portrayed in those movies is really great because it shows that yes we sometimes believe in that stuff so much the worst of the worst we see sometimes all the bad things we look at stuff in like a negative dim light and it really shows that how easy that can be but the other thing which is number two lesson is that this the the conjuring also shows the belief in a higher power now these movies really resort to God being that source. We also want to look at that they rely on their relationship with one another. They rely on their work with other people who are helping them 
or the work that they think that the town needs or like the home needs, you know, like the, the area that is needed. So we also see that there is this belief in, we just can't do this on our, by ourselves. We need something greater than ourselves to, to handle this. The third thing, which I really got from the, the conjuring three that I saw recently was there's a great quote on being brave and it was that being brave, it doesn't mean that you're not afraid, but being brave means that you're afraid, but you're still willing to go forward. And I thought that was perfectly illustrated in the films that throughout the films, there is this um, multiple times where the main characters are afraid and what they're seeing is scary, what they're experiencing is scary, but they they don't give up. They keep trying and they face everything they have to. And it really shows what that bravery really is and that it's okay to be afraid. And, and having bravery means facing those fears. The fourth lesson is really that Supporting someone versus changing someone. And I know this can be hard, but when we look at, um, there's a scene where Lorraine is talking about her her abilities and she says how, how fortunate she was that she found someone who supports her instead of trying to change her. So there's plenty of times where Ed could probably have encouraged her to give this up or this is crazy or whatever the case may be, but you could have seen it where he may have tried to change her. And throughout the the movie, you see him struggle with it, but overall he supports her and what she does. And I always say, if we can find more ways to, to do that support for one another versus trying to change one another, we would have a lot more success. The fifth thing that was um, really great to see from a caretaker helper's perspective was when to say yes or when to say no. And as the movies continued and built on, you could tell that the toll it was having on the rain was getting heavier. And you'll know that there were times where they were both going back and forth on we need to take a break or there are times where we need to say no and you see their struggle with that Um, I don't think it'd be a good movie if (laughs) someone came to them and they just said no and then that was that was it but they they show that it's not easy to just say no and I find that very enlightening as a helping professional, a therapist, a counselor, clinical supervisor, that we do need to have our own boundaries. We do need to learn when to say yes and when to say no. But it's not that easy to just do that. And it kind of tugs at you when you see that there's someone in need or a family in need and they are struggling with, well, no, we can't help you or yes, we can. And I think that helps us to see that it's not as easy as we think. We still have to learn how to do it. And we need those boundaries. You know, we need to learn 
when to say yes, when to say no. But the movie shows how difficult that can be. All right, 10th and final one. Hocus Pocus, a curious youngster, moves to Salem where he struggles to fit in before awakening a trio of diabolical witches that were executed in the 17th century, starring Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Nahimi, and Omri Katz. And the first thing that stands out is this new beginnings. You know, like here's a a youngster that moved and moving and new things. Um, they're often hyped up. They're often talked about how they're going to be changing, life-changing for us. And it's not always the case. You know, sometimes new beginnings come with challenges. New beginnings come with changes. New beginnings come with uncertainty. New beginnings come with um, being uncomfortable, being in a new situation out of your environment. And that's where he, you can tell like when he goes to Salem, it's not just all happy and exciting for him. He really hates being there. The second thing we want to look at is risks. And I laugh at it because it's the movie, but when he, when they go into the, they break into the house, the now museum, and you just, you got to look at situations that can be avoided. And we know you can't avoid everything. Like when you're in recovery, you can't just be away from risk at all time. You can't just be not around anything that could be a trigger or a risk or anything, right? But you can definitely do things to avoid being risky. So in this movie, he goes there when they're closed, they're not open, and they decide to go in there and decide to mess around, and then look what happens. So imagine the scenario if they went in there when it was opened um, and when there was like maybe staff there or something. I don't know if it would have even been staffed. But point is that sometimes when you take that that known risk that is kind of showing you that there's something not good here. Those are things that we need to avoid. The third thing that Hocus Pocus teaches us is that taking children seriously. Um, you know, how often do children, kids, teenagers, young adults, because of their age, their credibility is diminished. And when they share with us their experience, when they share with us something happened, um, I've seen it be dismissed. And I've seen it be looked the other way. Or I've seen it where there was an automatic judgment, so to speak, that it was for attention or whatnot. And things happen to kids. There's no doubt about that. And in the movie, you see that, like, no one's taking them serious. And, of course, you know, it's a movie, so they're going to be right. Um, but that does happen in real life, too, where children aren't taken seriously. And sometimes what kids need is an adult or an older person or someone that they trust to listen to them 
and to follow up or believe in, in what they are saying. The fourth thing that we want to look at, which is a pretty serious thing, is in in the movie they talk about, um, you know, what can happen with the children and what the three witches are going to do. And I think that's something to, to highlight is that it can be your child, you know, with addiction, with mental health, like there is no immunity from this. There is no, oh, there's no way that this can happen to me. Um, I, I think we need to look at that that is something that can happen. And it doesn't mean like you're a bad parent. It doesn't mean um, that it's all your fault. But we have to realize that, yes, it can happen. It can happen to your child. Um, and not forget that that's something that um, we don't want to be in denial. And, and I've seen that happen where people have said stuff like that. And it's the very same people that I'm working with. Um, even kids. So it can happen to to your child. The last thing that we want to look at is why it's also great is because the the movie shows that ultimately that good overcomes evil. Um, that what you that the the kids who are good and and the witches who are looking to just do their thing is that it ultimately overcomes it. And that's what we got to really believe that despite all the things that go on in addiction, recovery, mental health, all the things that are going on in the world that might seem daunting and, and terrible that all the worst case things, the, the fears, the things that we worry about most that happen, that we believe that overall, the good actions, the good heart that we have, the integrity of doing the right thing and all that type of stuff that overall that can prevail against some of the the most challenging things that we can ever face. And, and Hocus Pocus shows how three kids can do that even against three powerful witches. So there you have it. We've got 10 horror and Halloween movies from and, and five lessons we can learn from each. And that's that's fifty mini lessons, so to speak. And and while this episode may not be said in like the most serious tone in comparison to others, and has more of like a lighthearted approach with like the, the holiday, the lessons are valuable. They are important. You know, and sometimes this journey of addiction and recovery can appear like a horror movie. And to many people, it feels like that. It has upended lives. It has been described as, as evil. And we know how bad things can get, but we cannot lose that hope. We can learn from what horror and Halloween movies have taught us. 
in order to work together and overcome the fear that can paralyze us. No matter how daunting, scary, and powerful it may seem, it is still possible to overcome. So take some time and enjoy the Halloween and horror movies. The next time you watch them, maybe these ones in particular, you might see them a little differently. Have a happy and safe Halloween. And I hope you learned a few things from the lessons we learned from horror movies.